We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in here on this Wednesday, Oxford Exxon podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. We will uh, talk with Kelly Quinlan. He covers Georgia Tech for Rivals.com, so that will be our uh, guest today on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. We'll talk some other Georgia Tech stuff, some other college football stuff, and then uh, just kind of as we always do, go around the world of uh, sports here to get you ready for your uh, day on this Wednesday. Uh, a bit of scintillating, Wednesday scintillating pre-show discussion about the WNBA. Chase locked in to the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun. Who'd you say, Aces are a win away? Uh, the Aces are up to a yes. Oh, is it, oh, is it a five game series? It's a five game series. It's yes. so bad they can't even do seven games. No one has ever come back from a two zero deficit either. No, oh, you com- say either or either. Either do you? You well, say you say neither, not neither though. Right. You know, it's funny. I think if I say, you know, they're either going to play Dart or Altmaier, but if I say well, I didn't do that either, isn't that weird? Oh, you think you use both? I think I I'm, now that I think about really? it, I think I use both. Okay, and I've now thought about either and either more than I've ever thought about the WNBA. So there we go, full circle. Full circle. Uh, anyway, Oxford Exxon Highway Six West. Remember, home games coming up. Tulsa three o'clock next weekend. We're still trying to give you a uh, official Ole Miss game jersey. You can do that by just going inside the store there on Highway Six West. Make any purchase that you would like, as many purchases as you would like individually. And you can sign up that many times for an official Ole Miss game jersey. You're automatically entered when you go in, sign the paper, drop it in, and you will be uh, one of the people that have a chance to win one of seven they're giving away this year. They've already given away two of them. And while you're in there, might as well take advantage of the lunch specials. Those are uh, today's red beans and rice. That is the Wednesday lunch special. They can get uh, bread, any size fountain drink for you there at the Oxford Exxon. Again, you can do from the Clark Ford Studio. Uh, yes, we are. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. Shop that quote around. Do what I've done. I would recommend that you do it. Hop into a Clark Ford today, 
800-257-1900. Guest join uh, Kelly Quinlan, other guests join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters, if you're coming up this weekend or you're around this weekend, you want not, not headed to Atlanta in Oxford, go check out uh, Rafters. Grab a burger, a beer, uh, po' boy appetizers, great beer selection, uh, full bar, and more at Rafters on the Square. Also, Rafters in uh, New Albany. Also, we're brought to you by Walk-Ons. Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering made-from-scratch scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Visit uh, them today in Oxford or Ridgeland. Yeah, reading from the stream, no, I guess I did not know Mark Davis also on the Aces, but his team, his WNBA team was playing in the finals. You go to that game and not the Raiders when they play one of 17. I mean, if you if you own the team, you go when they are playing at home in the finals of their thing. I mean. Right? Who are the Raiders playing? Shut up. You own the team, though. It's not your normal fan. Like, if I own the team and they're playing for a championship, you go to their game. Yeah, who, do the, who are the Raiders playing? They played the Chargers. Ooh. It was last week. Nah, I'll go see the Chargers. <laughs> we can go see them when they play them in L.A. in a few weeks. Yeah, and the WNBA <laughs> team will play another 40 games. Next season? Plenty this of, is it. Whenever. You wouldn't have owned the team to begin with. I'd just go see the Chargers. Okay. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no offense to any, I mean, whatever. Okay. I think the WNBA is a bad product. I, I, I do. I, I, it's it's unwatchable. So. I, I can't tell you the last time I tried. Um, we're going to jump all over the place. I'm going to get some other stuff in a minute, but just kind of the way my mind works this morning. Aaron Judge hits 56 and 57 last night. Mm-hmm. He's five away from the American League record. For a single season at this point. Got 20 games to go. He's not going to catch Bond 73, obviously. Is he going to catch Maris? Because that's the one, right? Because, I mean, well, I guess that's where I'm going is why is this, and maybe this is a baseball thing, and I'm not really even doing the baseball dying or whatever conversation at the top of the show today with a college football game in three days. But is it not a little weird that this hasn't captivated us to some extent? You've got a New York Yankee. Mm-hmm. Breaking this record I mean, in a non-steroid era when pitching has never been better across the board. This he's is al- he's also an extremely likable, media-friendly guy. This should be a bigger story. Than I don't is. understand this. Well, now, look, I'm not interested either, so I'm part of the problem. But, but to, to tell the story, no, 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 media's media's insane now. So I mean, let's be honest about the story. I mean, if to tell the story, you've got to talk about Barry Bonds, sure, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa. You've got to call them cheaters. You've got to say that what they did and when they broke Roger Maris's record, you've got to say that it doesn't count. Sure. And in today's world, that means you have to say... You have to put the real asterisk next to it and go, nope. You have to erase it. Yeah. It doesn't count. We do that with the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Why can't we do it with Barry Bonds? I th- so here's I mean, I mean something that 24 years ago took over the country when mm-hmm. it was being chased. Yes, in 1998, 
when Maguire and Sosa were doing this, it captivated the country. Literally, everyone hung on every at-bat. Yes. It was magical. It wasn't when Bonds broke the record. No. And no one cares now. Albert Pujols is closing in on 700 home runs. 700. Outside of St. Louis, does anyone notice? I mean, seriously, outside of St. Louis, does anyone notice? It's no. conceivable that the very best baseball player since Babe Ruth is playing right now. And outside of Japan, does anyone notice? Don't tell me the sport's healthy. It's not. Don't tell me the sport's healthy. It's, it's not. It's absolutely not. And I love it, but it's not. Something's wrong. Meanwhile, you look at college football ratings. They're incredible. I'm assuming that week one NFL ratings are going to be off the freaking hook. Sure. Because typically when college football ratings go up, the NFL goes up even more. Sure. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know. Um, English Premier League ratings in America are up. W, I mean, not WNBA. No one's watching that. NBA is kind of what it is. It's always been sort of what it is. Regular season's pretty flat. Playoffs get pretty good numbers, although they didn't get as good of a numbers this this time. Um, I don't know, man. Things there's, I mean, there's stuff happening, but to talk about it, to really dive into it, I think you almost have to get borderline political, and everybody goes, "Can't go there," so I don't. But I think there's something there with 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 sports. I don't with everything not named football. Yeah, it's everything not named football. We would get completely entrenched if somebody was trying to break a really big all-time football record. I think whatever so. Whatever that is. I think so. I think so. Some running back chasing Eric Dickerson or whatever. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Football exercise. I'm moving to football and probably stay there. I mean, I mean the, the, the only thing, the only sport that didn't suffer from COVID football. is football. Because for whatever reason, in the other sports, when – the response came the way that it did. People just sort of turned off. With football, when people got to go back, for the most part, they went back. Yeah. Now, it, the, it shows its power, though, where it was not – it was it was foolproof. Well, NFL just r- runs itself really well. Sure. I mean, they really do. I mean, the NFL, if you, you, you sit down on a Sunday and you watch an NFL Sunday, and I do all the time, it's – it's remarkably well done. Yeah, it's systematic to the point of perfect. It Noon is. to th- you got the windows of games that close. You got red zone, the three twenty five games, the three oh five games, the three twenty five games. You get a thirty minute of chaos at the end of all the early games. Yeah, then you get the three twenty three oh five window, the three twenty five national feature game. game. It's not game. And then you get so red zone at six fifteen is like two games, and then you get kind of a chance to oh okay I'm a, I'm gonna breathe for thirty minutes. I'm gonna flip to NBC. I'm going to watch a pretty low-key, decent pregame show that's just kind of on in the background, and then I'm going to get a Sunday night game. It's, they, they typically, it's pretty decent. And then I'm going to get Monday night. Yeah. And now they've added the Manning cast to Monday night for the people who are like me. Who, okay, well, unless it's my team playing yeah, in the no, game. That's I'm, a night. I'm not as interested. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I gave you all day Sunday. I'm going to be a little more low-key. Yeah. It's perfect. Ball exercise here. I'm going to move on to football after this, but I saw the list, and I'm curious what, what you get right because you're, you're definitely a baseball guy. 
Uh, Aaron Judge currently tied for 15th all-time in single-season home runs. His 57 puts him in a tie for 15. Okay. okay. All right. How many of the players in the top 15 can you name? And now, obviously, duplicates. People have had multiple seasons that are on this list multiple times. So, it's, times. it's Barry Bonds. Sure. Mark McGuire. Sammy Sosa. Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. is actually not on the list. He is tied for 18th at 56. 56. For me, I thought he hit 58. Um, there have been four 58s. Four fifty-eights. Yeah. Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, Maris. Yeah, Maris, Ruth. Yep. Sixty and fifty-nine. Hmm. The one, the biggest you're missing is there is there's a tie for ninth with Ruth at fifty-nine. Happened in the last five years. And then eleven has three other names you haven't mentioned, and then there are two other names you haven't mentioned at fifteen. And a couple wow. of these, you could have given me a thousand guesses, and I never would have gotten. Okay. So one that happened in the last five years. That is correct. 2017. Giancarlo Stanton. That is correct. Okay. He had 59 home runs in 2017. Okay. All right. So give me some give me some context clues on the others. Otherwise, this is going to be really boring. Yeah, and we're going to move on quickly. One was in the 30s. Oh. Uh, not Babe Ruth, obviously. Uh, not Lou Gehrig, right? That is not correct. Yeah, no. I, I don't have any idea in the thirties. Yeah, I mean that was that was one that was kind of like ah, must have been one hell of a player because they didn't hit a lot of home runs back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he was playing for the Philadelphia Athletics at the time, but I know he played for a couple different teams. It is Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox, okay, is, is, is who did that. Um, someone who had a hit to win a World Series is on the list. Okay. Someone had a hit to win a World Series. That is correct. Joe Carter? Uh, no. Um, Luis Gonzalez? That is correct. Luis Gonzalez is tied for 15th. He had 57 home runs in 2001. Yeah, he was taking steroids. <laughs> uh, yeah, that feels I mean, Luis Gonzalez, when he was a Cub, was a slap hitter hitting about 15, 16 home runs a year. Underrated career hitter. Played in a World Series, may have won one, I don't remember. Um, was in the NL East for a long time, fairly recently. David Wright? No. Good guess, though. Um, it's a really good guess. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Yes, and he did. He was playing in the 2008 World Series. I thought that was right. Ron Howard on one of the worst episodes of The Office. Oh, really? It was a bad episode. Um, and then we're, we're, we're moving on. I didn't mean to spend this time on it. Alex Rodriguez is the other one. Oh, okay. uh, he is tied for 15th with Judge and Gonzalez. He had 57 in 2002. Oh, sorry. Hank Greenberg as well. He had oh, 58. Okay. I didn't know that if I'd have thought about it for a long okay. time. So, anyway. Mickey Mantle's best season was 54, by the way, in 1961. When he was a 29-year-old. Easily one of the greatest players ever. If, if Mantle is... If he's if he's if he's not an alcoholic, if you say he's at all healthy in multiple mm -hmm. ways, yep. Then there's no doubt about that because I mean he he injured himself so much to he ended up he ended up not even a career 300 hitter. Um, he hit 298 for his career, I want to say. But I think it says a lot about baseball that Judge is doing this in New York in a pennant race, 
and it's just not national news. And Pujols is doing this in St. Louis, independent race, on a team that is you know, fairly likable yeah, nationally. Sure. Um, and it's just not news. It's just, it speaks volumes. Yet Dak Prescott being out four weeks is a bigger is story. a much bigger story. It's incredible. Yeah. Your mailbag is up at rebelgrove.com, as well as I uh, wrote about Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech starting quarterback, who's um, pretty mediocre, frankly, because he can't push the ball down the field at all. Georgia Tech has their longest completed pass this season is 21 yards, and they have not completed a pass that has traveled in the air more than 20 yards this year. He is 0 for 5 with two interceptions at this point. How, how um, did, I mean, can we talk about this quietly without anybody? Why is the over-under going up? <laughs> and do you have a bookie? <laughs> you're just you're feeling a little. Uh, I've, uh, I, I never bet on games involving teams I cover. I've only done it one time in my entire life. It won. It won barely. Oh, that was close at the end, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. But that's right. Yeah, it was an Ole Miss South Carolina basketball game of all things. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I love the under in this game. I don't think. I don't think. Georgia Tech can get past seventeen, and I don't. I don't know that they get there. And I don't. I haven't seen anything from Ole Miss's offense that makes me go, man, they're going to light them up. So, I'm going to line history. Now I'm curious. It's a jump in the last day. It's gone up. Yeah, it's like sixty three or something on September the eleventh at nine thirty at night when it first went live. It was sixty. Okay. This morning at eight forty one, it well eight seven forty one Eastern time eight forty one sure. sixty five and a half. It's I, a five and a half point jump. I mean, sign me in up. three days. Sign me up. But again, why? I, well, I don't know why. I guess because people are betting me over. I mean, they must think. I think they think there's like, this Ole Miss perception. Yeah, they think Lane Kiffin offense. They're going to score eight thousand points, and that's. I, I mean, I don't see that. Clemson scored. 17 points late to kind of blow that game open. But Georgia Tech was okay on defense. They were okay. Ole Miss has not been dynamic on offense against anybody good. And on paper, this is a horrific matchup for the Georgia Tech offense. When I dive into any numbers of Georgia Tech's offense, this does not – I mean, they yeah. what Ole Miss does well is all Tech can do. Right. They, they're going to try to nickel and dime early and break tackles at the second level. And, and they're going to try to beat Ole Miss in the run game to the edge. And that's not how you beat Ole that's Miss. That's not the move. You beat Ole Miss either by running right at them and then play action and going over the top. Yeah. And they only play action if they're throwing the ball deep. Yeah. They have a – and look, if I'm noticing that off pro football focus, I'm pretty sure Chris Parcher just figured that out by now. <clears throat> is that they One they have a ridiculous tendency where they do not throw the ball down the field except off play action frankly cuz I don't know if they can protect him so it gives a little bit of an extra moment but, yeah um <clears throat> Ole Miss's play action offensive stats are all screwed up in there because they count any type of RPO as a play action no matter what and it creates a weird uh, I, I, and I'm not, and I'm not saying Ole Miss's offense isn't good but we haven't seen anything from Ole Miss's offense right so far that makes you go oh yeah this is going to be this dynamic offense that's going to light people up we have not seen that if we're being honest receivers are having a hard time getting separation offensive line's not been great in pass protection I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear about Central Arkansas. I'm sorry, they're terrible. I mean, if you, if if you were there and you 
take off your red and blue glasses and you put binoculars on and you watch their line play. It was awful. I'm sure they're wonderful kids. But they were bad at football. Not saying they're bad people. I'm sure they're great. Frankly, it makes me question Missouri State being a top five team, but they needed a late touchdown to win 28-14 against Central Arkansas. Yeah. If we want to play transitive properties. You know, and Missouri State will probably, the score will probably Saturday be a little indicative of something closer than what it actually is because Arkansas is going to sleepwalk. Sure. Because it's a sandwich game. But you know what you see when you look at it. Central Arkansas is not good. They're not good. So you don't get anything out of it. I'm, not, I, I'm just back to where I've been. I just don't think we're going to know anything about Ole Miss until October the 1st. Yeah. I, think, I think we're going to have guesses, but we're not going to know anything until October the 1st. How long is Quinlan? 30. Okay. <sighs> yeah, I, I can't find where Tech has some advantage. And frankly, I mentioned this to Neil before we started the show. I listened to Jeff Collins' press conference last night from his weekly thing with, with media in Atlanta, and I he's pretty honest, but I did not sense a lot of optimism. It felt like, hey, we're just trying to get through the first three weeks of the season and go from there. It, yeah. was, it was a very – he did not fight back when multiple media members kind of post questions like, hey, you know, kind of tough here early, Clemson and Ole Miss. Ugh. Like, and well, their scheduling, just, is, their scheduling is unfair. I mean, you know, we'll talk about it in a little bit with Kelly, but when your schedule includes Clemson and Georgia every single year, I mean, you're not off to the greatest start in the world. No. I mean, the truth is, much as Georgia Tech probably doesn't want to do it, they, they don't need to play Georgia every year. No. They need no, no, to bail no. out of that. Yeah. It's not like it's some friends anyway. I mean, give, give, save all your clean old-fashioned hate crap. I mean, yeah, it's a I mean, dominating series. Nobody nationally notices that game. No. Podcast brought to you in part by Prime Shrimp. PrimeShrimp.com. Six different flavors for you that get shipped directly to your door. Then less than 10 minutes freezer to plate for restaurant-quality shrimp. When you are in a hurry or you just want shrimp, that's pretty good. Uh, with kids and back in school, a lot of activities going on. Let Prime Shrimp take care of dinner for you. And if you are um, a first-time user, you can use code MPW. You get $20 off your first order there with Prime Shrimp and MPW. And they also are offering their two-pound individually frozen shrimp, just like you get at the grocery store, except a higher-quality shrimp from the New Orleans-based company. So that's code MPW, and that's PrimeShrimp.com. I'm, I'm scheduled to tape with Davison Benoson later today. That show will be brought to you by the College Corner. It's one-stop Rebel Shop, two locations in the Jackson area. In Ridgeland, it's next to Fleet Feet and Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. You can also go to collegecornerstore.com, and you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Brought to you by The Rogue. It's your destination for fine men's clothing. Uh, they've got all the best items. Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, and more. 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or therogue.com. The Troy Brown Show is up. It's brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Different names, same great products and services. To call Comer, 662-801-1777. Uh, Southern is 662-429-4429. Our friends at Blue Delta are excited to announce they'll be hosting Mustache the Band on Friday, October the 14th for the Square Jams after party. Uh, come out on uh, Friday night after Square Jams, and uh, you can join the folks from Blue Delta at the Lyric with the world's most powerful 90s country band ticket 
Prices are on sale now. Some tickets include jeans, some don't, but all include admission to the concert and an open bar. To book, just DM Blue Delta on their socials or visit bluedeltajeans.com slash afterparty, and they'll see you there. A-Stock Auctions is a Nashville-based online auction company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items at A-Stock Auctions start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at just $1. Shop now at astock.bid or download their app, name your price, on thousands of items from big-name retailers. A-Stock Auctions has multiple locations around Nashville that offer local pickups, so don't miss out. Want it? Bid it. Win it. We're also brought to you by MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to diversify, to uh, leave the corporate rat race, gain control of your income and schedule, MyPerfectFranchise.net offers the ability to exercise uh, to create income and wealth. Let Andy guide you through a comprehensive franchise evaluation. He has tons of franchise and business ownership experience to lean on. If you hate your job, your boss, your pay, you feel stuck, get in touch with Andy. It's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Also brought to you by Solutions RX. It's a probiotic multivitamin supplement company created by Ole Miss Pharmacy alum Chris Cornelison. It's a pharmaceutical grade manufactured right here in Mississippi. They have a product called Prescription Support. Helps put vitamins back into your body. Help you with uh, eliminating side effects, keep you more compliant. They've got all sorts of other supplements and vitamins and things. I've been taking some stuff from them. I've never felt better. You will too. SolutionsRx.com, promo code OEP at checkout, and get 10% off of your first order. Podcast is brought to you by Johnston Hill Creamery. It's JohnstonHillCreamery.com right there off Molly Bar on White Oak Lane in oxford they've got uh plenty of different options for different catering you have they do weddings now they do showers parties and more they do charcuterie cones that are pretty cool as well as their cheeses they make locally and in-house every single day you know by now that they can uh cater your tailgate they'll take care of that they'll feed 10 20 or 40 depending on what you have going on but they can help out any event or just stop by see all their different jams and accompaniments to the cheese and the charcuterie plates that they have to offer, and they have a great lunch menu as well. So that's Johnson Hill Creamery. Go to their Instagram page for pictures and videos of all their different offerings, 662-419-9201. Go ahead now. We'll go to Kelly Quinlan of Rivals.com. Again, he covers Georgia Tech. So here is uh, here's Kelly to learn a little more about the Jackets. My colleague Kelly Quinlan covers Georgia Tech for Rivals.com, JacketsOnline.com. Kelly, how are you? Good. How you doing, Neil? I'm good. So, uh, Ole Miss and Georgia Tech there in Atlanta on Saturday. Um, I mean, it's not a it's not a, a new thing for Georgia Tech to have a big name opponent coming to town, but it's an SEC opponent that's not named Georgia. How how much buzz is there in Atlanta about this game? Uh, it's interesting because um, you know playing Clemson, they've played Tennessee recently. Um, they play a lot of sort of interesting matchups with, with teams that are regular on the schedule. Obviously you mentioned Georgia. Um, and, and to me, like, I don't, I don't know that it's clicking yet. I think the everyone's basically just concerned with how Jeff Collins year four is going and whether or not he's going to be fired or not. <laughs> so at this point, it's more of a, like, let's see where, what happens there versus I think even worrying about old Miss. You know, the team played pretty well against Clemson, but I don't know how good or bad Clemson is. I think no one knows how good or bad anyone is at this point in the year. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. It's only two games in. It's easy to uh, overreact. I was actually reading an Andy Staples piece um, about Texas A&M along those lines where he was talking about, hey, you know, A&M's got these next four games. They could lose them all. And then he goes, but they probably won't. And and, and he's he's right. I mean, who knows? Um, you mentioned Jeff Collins. Uh, very good defensive coach. Gets the head coaching job at Georgia Tech. And I think the perception that a lot of people had is that he'll do well there. And so far, he hasn't done well there. Um, how much of that is because just what he inherited and what he's trying to change, and how much of that is he got hit by COVID probably at a time that not him personally, but the pro, you know what I mean, COVID hit and everybody shut down. He, he kind of lost some momentum there. How much of it is it's just not working? It's a little of everything, right? They've had two pretty major tragedies. The first year he got here, in uh, in that first spring, Brandon Adams, who was a NFL prospect, probably a top three round defensive tackle, died like just dropped dead um, with a brain issue. Like it just was really devastating for them. And then in 20, 2020, going into the twenty twenty season, uh, four star wide receiver Bryce Gowdy they signed um, essentially committed suicide. He had mental health issues and like walked out in front of a train um like literally a few days before he was to report he was an early enrollee i remember that uh, yeah yeah i mean it, it's been like everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong right the 2020 season they're breaking jeff sims in, and they, you know they have this young freshman he's starting to play really well in, in spring ball they they started early and then COVID hit right as they went on spring break and you know, they didn't return to the practice field until August uh, with a freshman QB. So it's been sort of those things, you know, in that year they lost their easy games. And then you get into this weird part of the schedule the last year where you have, you know, this year they're playing you know, the open season with Clemson on Monday night in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They play Ole Miss this week and they play at UCF next week, and they play Pitt, who won the Coastal last year on the week after that. So it's a it's a crap schedule. The AD really screwed up. This is one of the games that got punted. The UCF game was a game that got punted. It was canceled because of a hurricane uh, in 2017. The Ole Miss game, I think this was the third different time it's been scheduled since I've covered Georgia Tech. <laughs> it got moved twice, I think, because – ostensibly what I heard is they didn't want to deal with the triple option and, and we're like, now nah, we'll punt this game and, and play it another time. Alabama did the same thing too. When was this thing originally scheduled? It was 2010, maybe 2011, something like yeah. before they met in the bowl game in Nashville. So yeah, it's way back there. And then it got moved and moved. And yeah. So I, I, cause there were people that joked about prior to this season, Oh, they'll, they'll just move it. They'll, they'll figure it out. But here they are. They're going to play it is, the seat's warm. Is it hot? I mean, is it? It's hot. I mean, I, I, to me right now, the way I look at things is there's major issues beyond what Jeff Collins is doing. So Jeff, you know, has had his coaching issues. There's been things that people have complained about. I think he addressed a lot of in the offseason, upgrading his staff. The offensive coordinator position was not not what he wanted uh, it to be it was not what it should have been and they did they're just a little overmatch there the first few years chip long they brought in now he's doing a really great job with with a lot of misfit pieces and then uh to me the bigger issue has been like there's just a, a money hole right now with the athletic association and how do they fix that how do they 
And I think you got to figure that out before you start to dive into coaching changes and the amount of money that would take and all those things. And I think they're, I think we're headed towards a change in leadership uh, at Georgia Tech. They are in terms of who's going to be the athletic director and going forward. I, I, so I think all of that's going to get sorted out before anyone starts to look at Jeff Collins. In this landscape, today with all the nil stuff and all of that how good is the georgia tech job where how where would you sort of rank it in the acc hierarchy what do they have to do to make it a better better job whether it's for jeff collins or whoever's next so if you take out the schedule piece of it, it is a very good job right you're in a ripe recruiting grounds you have affluent alumni um you have really all these opportunities for internships business partnerships all of those things in atlanta the main issue at this point in time is they play Clemson and Georgia every year. And, you know, the Georgia game is a rivalry game. You have to play that. And Clemson has become their permanent rival, even in the when they change the scheduling model next year. Um, they still have to play Clemson every year. So as long as Dabo's there and they're kind of doing their thing, that's going to be a tough out. It's a much different game than it was in 2009 when I started. And Dabo had just taken over, and that program had been – sort of mediocre. They were what North Carolina or Miami has been sort of underachievers and, and not getting it done. Now they're a perennial top 10 program. And so you play those two games and then you're playing your, the rest of your schedule and you're not playing a ton of bye games. They do a lot of, they've done a lot of these home and aways with, you know, playing different teams, but it's weird because they're playing Georgia every year. So if you add Ole Miss in that, you're playing two big P, you know, big P5 games, non-conference, not a lot of teams do that either. Oh, no. So that's just, that's sort of the crux of their issue is they're overscheduling the program. Um, and and you've got to figure that piece of it out, I think, because they still have Alabama on the schedule in the future as well. you got the return game with Ole Miss next year. Uh, they have a series with Colorado coming up, who's not great, but you never know in three or four years, you know, what a team's going to look like. So, I think they've got to straighten that piece out, Neil, before they can before the job becomes as attractive as it could be. So I'm curious on the field. You watched um, you you watched Clemson and, and Georgia Tech in the opener. Georgia Tech played really well for about two and a half quarters, maybe into the late part of the third, and then the fourth quarter was just a Clemson domination. What did you take out of that game from a, a Georgia Tech perspective? Looking forward, did I, what did you, I mean, yeah, just leave it there. What did you take out of that game? What were the conclusions you drew? So one of the consistent things with Jeff Collins has been um, the team will sometimes lose the rope, like as they, you know, in terms of if things go poorly. So there was one real sequence in that game. They had a, a PI on a play where two Clemson linemen jumped off sides before the snap of the ball. And it was sort of a, it was not a great PI call, but it was probably PI. He didn't get his head around. And then two plays later, their best defensive player or second best, Charlie Thomas, gets ejected. Their linebacker is sort of the heart of their defense. And the defense sort of spiraled after that moment. They gave up a touchdown. They had two punts blocked in the game that led to cheap scores. Um, those were sort of the momentum plays. And it's hard. Uh, you know, most coaches I know will tell you if you have a kick blocked in a game, your chances of winning are, are pretty low in general. Just it's such a momentum killer. Uh, so that, that's sort of what happened at Clemson game. They couldn't move the ball against their line either. So, you know, it was, they had an offensive line with, um, 
three guys starting for the first time in their career, two playing their first real snaps in college football. So that was not a recipe for success either, going against seven, eight deep defensive line at Clemson. So what I gathered there is they're better than they were a year ago, um, but there's still there's still some you know issues and and just play, you know development and where the program's at. Um, and I think the team will be better by the end of the year. But I don't. I'm just curious how much rope you know Jeff gets in terms of leadership and 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 if he can win some of these games early you know like beat Gus Malzahn at UCF next week and they're two and two maybe if they lose to Ole Miss this week I think people would be pretty happy with that but if they're one and three or one and four after the pit game that's going to be problematic yeah and that's that deal where you know the kids know the coach is in trouble everyone knows it and the season starts to spiral and it's just human nature that people kind of give up a little bit and it just You've seen it. I've seen it. I've covered it a couple of times at Ole Miss where I covered it once at Auburn where it just falls apart in the middle of the year and, and a team just gets inexplicably bad. And, and it's it's you don't necessarily see it coming and then it happens and you're like, oh, I know what this looks like. And you're right, that schedule sort of shapes up that way if it, if it happens. Um, give me a scenario where uh, – Georgia Tech wins on Saturday. This is an Ole Miss team that uh, I know it's a big line. It's like 14 and a half, 15 points. It's an Ole Miss team that has, has looked really good on defense. We don't really know what they look like on offense because they haven't played anybody. They played a, a Troy team that's in a rebuild under uh, year one under John Summerall. I think John's going to do a good job at Troy, but this is not going to be – no one's – I'd be shocked if John ever looks back and goes, yeah, that was my best Troy team. I'd be, I'd be stunned. Um and then they played a Central Arkansas team that it, it just it. I, I don't know why those games get played. Uh, it, you know, it, nothing you can take nothing from it, good or bad. So Ole Miss is kind of this can break a little bit of a blank canvas a little bit. You've seen a little bit more with Georgia Tech because they played Clemson. So give me a, a scenario where they they find a way to win on Saturday. It's funny you mentioned one thing that's one of my pet peeves. If you're going to play an FCS game, they need to play it week one because literally no one cares. Week one, people care. They want to see the team for the first time and, and all that. And I think that makes sense as a tune-up. But then after that, it's basically like playing an NFL exhibition game in the middle of the season. And it's funny some of those games – Because yeah. Lane, Lane Kiffin has referred to that game as an exhibition. You know, he's got this NFL background. People forget sometimes because they just think of him. You know, he coached the Raiders that one season, but he grew up in an NFL family. I mean, you know, his dad, Monty, coached in the NFL for like 100 years or something. So, I mean, he, he, so much of his references sometimes are about the NFL, and he's exactly right. I mean, the Central Arkansas game, a lot of people don't, don't like hearing that. Not Ole Miss people. They're used to it, and they love him. But outside people are like, I don't really like it being called an exhibition game. I said, what the hell is it? I mean, you're not losing. You're just out there figuring out some things. There's no scenario in the world where Ole Miss loses to Central Arkansas. None. Not going to happen. They could play a thousand times and Ole Miss would win all thousand <laughs> games. So, you know, you're, you're just trying to get stuff out of it. I don't know that you can get a lot out of it. I asked Lane, you know, how eager are you just to sort of play somebody where you get a feel for what your team is? And he joked and said, well, as long as you win, you know, but think the, the true answer is yeah i'm kind of eager to see what we've got because i mean kentucky looms in two weeks for all this yeah and that's the thing like you play those games if you flip them the troy game's probably cleaner when you play them that obviously the offense didn't look great i watched some of that game but yeah go to georgia tech and, and what they can do to win i think the main things are gotta get off the field on defense they can't 
let the tempo get them and get the, give up the big plays. And they've given up a few in the passing game that was an issue last year for them in particular. They've cleaned a lot of that up, but you got to keep guys in front of you and, and make plays there. And Jeff Sims, the quarterback for Georgia Tech, has to play a clean game. He played really well against Clemson, kept kept things clean, kept his mistakes down. He did not actually play well in the Western Carolina game, but it was in the rain. And it was a game where they wanted to just go run the football and, and try to get out of there because they were playing on five days, like a five-day turnaround. So to me, I think right at this point, you've got to you got to play fairly mistake-free. That's where Georgia Tech is with when they play an opponent where they're somewhat overmatched at some spots. I think, you know, the one, the two areas I'm kind of looking at are the the lines of scrimmage, both on both sides. I think that Georgia Tech's defensive line has played better than expected. How do they match up with a much better offensive line than Clemson's offensive lines? Got awful. Like they're one of the worst I've seen so far this year in the, in the P5, and they overmatched them for a lot of that game. And then they played Western Carolina, so I don't know what I'm seeing yeah. yet there. And then on the flip side of it, you know. Um, Georgia Tech's offensive lines did not look great. And so they were really overmatched in the first game and they played pretty well last week. But I'm curious what, what it actually looks like with a few games under those guys' belts. You know, it's kind of emerging as a little bit of a college football storyline here. And it's so early that I don't know that I've had a couple of astute readers sort of pointed out in mailbag questions and stuff. I don't know if you've looked around, but like all offensive lines, maybe with the exception of like Georgia. They're getting, they're getting, they're really struggling against defensive lines. I don't know whether this is a schematic thing or whether this is just because defensive linemen and outside linebackers have become so freakishly athletic that linemen are having a hard time with them. But like Alabama's offensive line really struggled with Texas, really struggled. It's, it's becoming a, a thing across the board. Going into uh, preseason camp, the expectation here was that Ole Miss would have a really good offensive front, and they still might. But through two games, eh, not so much. They've been pretty good in run blocking, but they've really struggled in, in pass protection to the point that it's becoming a little bit of a talking point for uh, for Kiffin that there's some concern there with the offensive front. This is kind of becoming a theme a little bit across the board. I mean, you mentioned Clemson, Georgia Tech. I mean, just when everybody starts going, yeah, our offensive line is struggling, you have to start wondering, well, what's the theme here? Is it it's harder to develop offensive linemen? Those guys are maybe – growing up playing different positions now. I don't know what the, what it is, but I'm starting to wonder if we're on to the cusp of something here. It could be. I mean, you talk about Alabama. Alabama and Georgia Tech both have the same issue, which has been run blocking and the inability to kind of, you know, basically do the real basic run blocking. Like both of those teams have done well with pass pro. Georgia Tech was good in the Western Carolina pass pro, less so with Clemson, but that was overmatch. But, yeah, it's been fascinating to see just how poor some of the line play has been, how any of the places are historically really good at it, like in Iowa or something. Like, you watch them, they've scored, like, what? They're, I think they're averaging, like, eight and a half points a game or something right now. Yeah, like it's been, it's been abysmal. Well, they've scored 14 points. In and I think that two of them were safeties, so um, – yeah you know, whatever that works out to offensively is not great, right? Like it's, you know, you know, a field goal and something, a game, like that's not great. So yeah, it has been thing. Maybe it's a portal thing too. I don't know. Like I wonder about that too, because everybody has all these portal kids. It could be, it could just be as simple as it's hard to get chemistry. And, you know, it's, you put a bunch of new people in, Ole Miss moved 
their left tackle to left guard. They moved their right tackle to left tackle and back to right tackle. They've they've got a redshirt freshman at left tackle. They just got it. They've got pieces that should be good, but so far it just doesn't look like it's operating as a unit. And I don't know whether that's a common thing across the board or whether it's because they're just playing. But again, they've played Troy in Central Arkansas, and they've struggled. Now, Troy had some pretty good defensive ends, rush guys and stuff. They typically do, and they do this year. But it was, it's been odd. I mean, I'm really curious to see because, again, I mean, with, with Ole Miss, Kentucky looms, and Kentucky is, for all the talk about Will Levis and Craig Rodriguez, what the identity of that program is under Stoops is line play, and they're both, they're both their lines of scrimmage are really good, and that's going to be, you know, a – a major test for Ole Miss here in in a couple of weeks. Um. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Speaking of, I guess defensively, how do you sort of see Georgia Tech attacking Ole Miss with the, the I don't know who's going to play quarter, quarterback. I, I suspect it'll be Dart. I don't really think it matters. Do they do they get aggressive or do they sit back and, and make them drive the field? How do you, what do you anticipate? So they've been a lot more aggressive this year. That was something that people wanted to see. I think that with the offense, I think the past three years, the offense was so bad. They had no confidence they could get into a shootout. So they were trying to keep everything in front of them and, and not give up big plays. And it sort of backfired as they couldn't get enough pressure and, and plays would break down and they give up big plays that way. This year, they've been much more, you know, aggressive i think they had 20 something sacks last year they have seven through the first two games already this year 
Um, Keon White's a kid that transferred in last year. He injured his leg and uh, missed basically most of last year and came back and was playing on one leg the last couple of games of the year and didn't look. He, he's a difference maker for them up front. He's a really dynamic rush uh, or field end, strong side end. And then they have um, a couple of young D tackles that have been playing really well. Uh, Daquan Doucet is a kid from Georgia they inherited that they've just developed over the last four years and is starting to play well. So I, to me, I think they're going to try to be aggressive and get downhill and get some pass rush, at least some pressure. They, they got screened to death in the Western Carolina game. They got caught in over-pursuit a little bit. So I know that's something they're concerned about. I'm sure Lane Kiffin's eyes probably lit up seeing that on film and, and all that. And, you know, they're going to have to watch for that because Ole Miss has much more skilled guys when you get into that screen situation versus like a Western Carolina where you have a guy you can track down pretty easily. Uh, so those are sort of the, the things I think they're going to play, play more man to man, play a little more press and, and try to try to they try to mix it up too. they'll play mismatch coverages on different sides of the field and things like that. They've talked about that a good bit in the preseason and we've seen a little bit of it in the year. Um, so I, they're trying to be better about confusing the quarterbacks. That's something else that's really been missing. Trevor Lawrence made a joke about it two years ago that like. They're, like it was the easiest coverage you ever had to read because they had, they were so simple in what they were doing and they've done a better job of disguising blitzes and disguising their coverages pre-snap. I'm curious, last couple minutes I have with you here, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what's happening with conference expansion and, and, and uh, the Big Ten expanded recently with UCLA and UCLA and of course U- USC and UCLA and of course a year ago Texas and OU to the SEC. Been a lot of rumblings about what might happen with the ACC what do you hear there in kind of ACC circles? Basically, everyone's stuck until the end of the decade because of the grant of rights. Um, you, you literally don't have your TV rights and you have to pay out the difference or whatever. So you can't make money. So for each of the full-time members, you know, if they were to leave, it would be $300 million range, $250, $300 million to get out of it. And then there's a lot of legalities to how – even like the new network would be able to broadcast things and all of that. And and with the way the deals are structured, basically everything I've heard, even from SEC people, you know, obviously they're interested in Clemson, for example, right? If they're going to bring in another team, that makes sense. And it's a cultural fit, but they're willing to wait it out. Like they've got nothing to lose. The ACC is trying to figure out with ESPN how to make things more attractive. They feel like they can position themselves to be that third conference. They won't catch up on the money, but they can get closer if they can figure out how, how to do they, work with these. How do they get closer? Because you're That's, right, they have. You're right, they have to. Because I've been saying this for a while that when these new deals kick in, with the Big Tens is about to kick in, the SEC is a year after that, and those schools are making seventy some odd million dollars a year, and the other the ACC schools are in the twenties or whatever. They're going to look at that and go, "This is not feasible for a ten year period. We'll fall so far behind that we can't catch up." So how do they close that gap? So there's two things that need to happen. One is they need the the power schools in the conference to stop stinking. Miami's been terrible the entire time they've been at ACC, basically. Florida State has fallen off since Jimbo left and, and been sort of a dumpster fire last few years. Georgia Tech has been bad. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech has gotten really bad. Those were sort of the, the four sort of pillars other than Clemson and Carolina that they wanted to build football around and they've all been mediocre and you can't have like wake forest be your marquee team i love dave clausen but like sure no one cares right like they don't draw it's a small school you need the ones in your bigger markets miami atlanta 
you know, the Charlotte, Chapel Hill, Durham, Raleigh, all that, that market, like the triangle that needs to be strong. And so they need those teams to step up. And that's been a, a major issue they've had. Um, to me, I think that's where you can make up some ground. From what I understand, we talk to people in the league too, they're going to try to create some more interesting matchups. Obviously they had the cool Pitt Tennessee game the other day. Uh, you had the, the West Virginia Pitt game. You've had, you know, different, uh, different kinds of like the Charlotte game with Carolina and South Carolina. And they're trying to build more of those matchups going forward um, that the, the league can benefit from. And to me, you know, I think they're going to sell basketball hard too. And to me, the ESPN, it makes sense now with the big 10 moving over, they need something else, right? Cause no one's going to be tuning in to watch the, you know, eight o'clock sec, you know, Vanderbilt Missouri game no one cares right like no one's lining up to watch you've got to have some content so you need more than just the SEC I I, I feel like that's just not enough uh, in terms of, of quality draws and to me like all of this is stupid because it's killing college football like Texas and Oklahoma don't belong in the SEC Missouri doesn't belong in the SEC you know it's just money. doesn't it's, it's just greed. It's pure greed. And I don't blame anyone for making those moves. I don't blame UCLA, who was literally close to bankruptcy, it seems like. They had no for, choice. They had no yeah. choice but to do that move. And, you know, and you've got uh, – you, you you see these crowds at, in, in Los Angeles for the UCLA games. And if you're UCLA, you know that if Michigan comes to town, they're going to bring 40,000 people. Wisconsin's going to bring tons of people. Iowa, Michigan State. I mean, just on and on. It. I've seen people criticize USC and UCLA. I'm like, what, what choice did they have? When that option's on the table, they absolutely had to take it. Yeah, I think that it, the where it could have worked out probably a little better is if Texas and Oklahoma had been smarter, right? Texas in particular is one that's sort of amazing to me. You know, my parents went to school there. Like, I followed them. We followed them quite a bit. And they've been irrelevant in a bad conference for a long time. So how are you going to set with infinite resources, right? More money than pretty much anyone in college football. So how do you turn that around in an even more competitive league? You know what the dogfight is like in the SEC West, sure. for example. I think, like, I think Texas is gamble, and you probably know it better than me. But I think their thought is that the you know the rising tide raises all ships, and that getting in a league with so many programs that are really rolling you're going to get momentum from it too i mean you look at the tv ratings of that alabama texas game and you look at the the atmosphere there and i realized that was a unique thing and all of that but for that fan base they're going to be more excited about florida coming to town than they are another trip from kansas state it's just the reality of it i, I mean that's why i'm curious to see what the big 12 does when texas and and ou leave do do they make that aggressive play for Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, uh, you know, Utah? Do they do something like that and 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 take from the break up the pack? What's left of the, I guess, the Pac-10? Or I'm curious because I think I think you're right. There's there's room for one more league to come in and be the, the three, whether that's the ACC or whether that's this finagled Big Twelve. Kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, I think you know the the one thing that I keep thinking about is with the Big Twelve. Unless they get the Pac-12, they have no viable like te- teams anyone cares about watching, right? right? right. No one's allowed right. to watch Oklahoma State, Kansas. Like 
Texas Tech and Iowa State, no one cares. Like, no matter how good they are. Yeah, Baylor can Baylor and Oklahoma State can't be the bell cows of your league. It just doesn't work. And I don't know that Arizona and Arizona State and Utah and Colorado change things a lot. It does give them some more names. It gives them a little bit more they can work with. But yeah, I mean, look, Texas and Oklahoma leaving that league it leaves a, 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 just a smoking crater in that league. And, and they can all talk about UCF and Cincinnati and all that stuff. Come on. That, that, that's just UCF's learning all about Gus Malzahn now and what he does with programs. Yeah, it's just that this doesn't. But it just doesn't move the dial. I mean, it, no, it doesn't. I mean, it's you know. Cincinnati's not going to move the dial. You know, to me, I think the best move that I, the most interesting thing I've seen hinted at is some sort of link up between the Pac-12 and the ACC, where you have some sort of scheduling model where they play each other and and create games for TV. To me, that would make some sense. It would give you you need the coasts that would give ESPN something a little different than than what they've had obviously fox sort of has spent a lot of money on on the big 10 so yeah are they going to be as invested in trying to you know keep the pac-12 happy i think if you can find a happy medium there you can have scheduling of basketball too like they have the you know you have the big 10 acc challenge now and you have the sec big 12 right so you could do things like that in basketball as well i think maybe there's some synergy there but you know, we're getting to the point where there's not much left at the table, right? You have yeah. the ACC schools that are locked up, like Clemson, Miami, and Florida State. That have, and really, the two are really Clemson and North Carolina, actually, that are yeah. the ones that people would desire. The Big Ten tried to get Clemson and – I mean, sorry, the Big Ten tried to get North Carolina and Georgia Tech instead of Mar- uh, Rutgers when Maryland jumped. And they both, you know, bowed out. Georgia Tech actually had a pretty serious – deal and the, the school president basically blocked the whole deal at the time which has you know been a hundreds of millions of dollars billion dollar mistake at this that point was probably. that was an error yeah yeah <laughs> so now all rolled between the legs that was that was that was an easy call i i remember when all that was going on just thinking you you gotta have there's got to be somebody in these rooms that says hey we've we've got to get our heads out of this tradition thing and we've got to think about long-term reality and We've got to think about viability, and and the Big Ten was a life raft, and you had well, to jump on it. Well, it's funny too because the dominoes that happened for that really killed Georgia Tech because the AD at the time, Dan Radakovich, left soon after that because that was his lifeline to fix their financial problems. He goes to Clemson and teams up with Dabo, and they start really. They went out and got Venables and really started to change that whole program, and. Georgia Tech's gone sort of sideways since then. And and it just shows money makes a difference, man. At the end of the day, like you can have it's, donors and everything else, but TV money still talks. It screams. I mean, it, it, it yells into a megaphone. It's it's the most, it's what's driving it. And, and whether it should or shouldn't, it's another debate for another day, but it, it does. And so it's, it's why it's, everybody's, maneuvering behind the scenes right now even five six ten years down the road everyone's yep. trying to position themselves so the, the sport's going to continue to change hey listen thanks for the time really appreciate no problem, it. Uh, you and i are exchanging questions and answers we'll have that to uh, both of our uh, readerships so uh, enjoy the game on saturday talk to you soon thanks now that's kelly quinlan uh, can we talk about something for a minute because yeah, this, sure. this 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 is a there's a life lesson in this. Okay. 
maybe this is me having two college-age daughters and a son who's about to turn 16. We talk about big picture things a lot. So I went during that 30 minutes. I was researching it, you and I here in the last little bit. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech could have joined the Big Ten. So people love to criticize Georgia Tech for leaving the SEC, and it's, it's a valid criticism, except it happened like a gazillion years ago, and you got to go, ah, okay, well, you know, they didn't have the vision then for now. Not even say vision. It, it, that, that, that argument is more just simply some dude didn't realize the problems he was causing that's kind of humorous, just like Ole yeah. Miss or State staying in the league back right, in the day. Right, But in 2012, yeah, 2012, someone offered Georgia Tech – Membership to the Big Ten. So I got to think that at some point they sat down in Atlanta, right, and had a meeting. Big conference room. Yeah, yeah. Had the infield, the outfield. And nobody said, we should do this. (laughs) Hey, we have to do this. They're offering. We're we're in the ocean right now. We're We're Leo DiCaprio in the ocean and we we're barely hanging onto a door. And Rose, for whatever reason, is not letting us up on the door. Rose is content to tell us we tell her tell us that she loves us. She has convinced herself there's no room on the door and we're in the water. And she's she's gonna be okay. And we're about to we're about to drop into we the abyss. We're not gonna here. be okay. They are throwing us a giant, massive, inflatable Life raft, equipped with satellite TV, a beer fridge, everything. And we're saying no. What in the hell are we thinking? And someone's going, well, you know, we, 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 we've, we've been in the ACC for a long time. And the, the, we have rivalries with Clemson <laughs> and uh, Florida State now. Yeah, no, 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 no. They want us because we're in Atlanta. They want to put an anchor in the southeast. We are the only school that offers them this. We will have Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Northwestern, those teams coming into our place every other year. This is this is a no-brainer. We like basketball. They like basketball. We should do this. We have to, and somebody just let it go. This is where, I, I was telling you this, this is where if you're in an athletics department, in your inner circle, you need two types of people, but you have to have both. You've got to have the people like at Ole Miss, for example. you got to have people who love Ole Miss, who grew up Ole Miss, who understand its traditions, its values, its everything. And, and, you have to have, you have to have both. You have to have the person who cares about none of that, who couldn't care less, who had never heard of Ole Miss really before they got the job, is climbing a career ladder, just doesn't want a black eye on his or her career, Sure, doesn't care. Like you talk about traditions, they're like, I don't care. Oh, the Billy Cannon game, I don't care. Couldn't care less. So it happened a gazillion years ago. It doesn't matter today. You need both people because that that conversation leads you to the right choice. Because it is a vision. Because I mean, it's in the thread. That is true. We, in 2012, 
that was still a much better situation for Georgia Tech. Now, the Big Ten was not what the Big Ten is today, obviously, um, from a money standpoint. Right, but you could see a path yeah, for that, it that was the there. thing is you went, hold on, but if this is true and it is about brands and if it is whatever, because it's not necessarily – the argument is not, well, the Big Ten was whatever, the Big Ten was whatever, the Big Ten is going to be whatever. It's that the ACC was going to suck either way. There was no path for the ACC to be right. the, oh, we're going to become the predominant conference. No, you're not. Yeah, it, well, and, and in 2012. No matter you, what, it was better than where you're at. And if in 2012 you didn't know, know that Texas and Oklahoma were eventually joining the SEC, how long have you and I known each other? Mm, long time. I've told this, I've been telling you this for years. It was a matter of time. Yeah. It was not, it was not if, it was when. Texas and Oklahoma were joining the SEC. And you knew that the Big Ten, the Big Ten, because of the way its footprint is, those are big states. Sure, those are big schools. Ohio State's a big ass school. Michigan's a big school. Those are huge national brands. Drive around Atlanta, I promise you, on a game day, and there's a Michigan bar. There's a there's a there's a Ohio State bar. Sure. Promise you. Those are massive alumni bases. It was idiotic not to do it. It was inexcusable. Whoever made that decision should be absolutely fired today. Can't happen. That 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 has you had to have somebody in that room who said, "No, we have to do this." They ended up with Rutgers. Rutgers. And so whoever did that at Rutgers, when because I promise you, when the Big Ten offered Rutgers before they could finish the sentence, they're yes, yes. Tell us when we're we're there. What, what do we need to do? Yeah, we'll go from playing all these cats to you know. yes. The answer is yes, yes. I'm cutting myself. I'm signing it in blood. Yeah. Yes, yes. We're on our way. <laughs> Headquarters in Chicago. We'll be there tomorrow. All right. No, in fact, we're headed there now. We'll wait on you. We're, we're we're finding a plane. We will be there as fast as humanly possible. What, what do we need? What, what do we need to wear? In fact, we'll just bring everything and we'll wear whatever you tell us to wear when we get there. That, that was the answer. And Georgia Tech's answer should have been the exact same thing. It should have been, yes, we're there. Absolutely. Because here's the deal. Because in that 2012 mindset, Atlanta really mattered more than it does now. Yeah. And it, it, it was all about markets back then. That's because, all we were obsessed about, because markets. Here's the, I hear this from ACC people. I'm not talking about Kelly. ACC people in general. It's, well, you know, you can't get out of the grant of rights. Okay, well, fine. But what do you, the hell are you going to do when the grant of rights expires? Well, ESPN's going, ESPN's not taking care of you. ESPN's not incentivized to take care of you. The ACC sort of seems to be just sitting there going, well, we're going to be okay for eight more years. And then? And I'm kind of waiting on the Big 12 to make the big move. The move that I'm sort of expecting from the Big 12 is to kind of finally tell Texas and Oklahoma, hey, I'll make you a deal. Let's meet sort of in the middle on this buyout. Give us a cash influx. You can skate early, and we're going to go cut a deal with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. We're going to add them to our league. It's going to give us a little bit more panache, and we're going to embrace the role of the bronze medalist. Because that's what I'd do if I were them. Hey, we're not going to be first. We're not going to be second. And that sucks, but we can be third. And that's still pretty comfortable. We can be a strong third, and we can get a pretty good TV deal, and we can be quasi-competitive. And right now, that's enough. 
Anyway, sorry. No, you're good. I'm look. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm big on you. Got to look. Sometimes take a breath and take a big picture thing and don't make emotional decisions. What I find funny is I, I pulled up 2011 Big Ten football just for a really quick snapshot and talk about things changing. Nebraska was ranked 24th in the country, and Ohio State went seven and six. Right. Now that was the one or six and seven, but that was the that was Ohio State's one little weird transition year thing. There, they win ten games every year, but but their brands. Oh yeah, sure. You yeah, know what I'm, I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. What's What's interesting is that you someone so someone made a today decision. I mean, they still had three of the top twelve teams in the country: Wisconsin, Michigan State, Michigan, without Ohio State. Yeah, and they just have so many big brands. Yeah, like the SEC does. Yeah, the SEC's full of big brands. Alabama's a monster brand. Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, LSU, now Texas, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss has emerged as a pretty big brand. Kentucky's a big brand. It is. Maybe not football, but Kentucky's a big brand. Yeah, in general. I mean, I mean, just on and on. Yeah. Podcast brought to you in part by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 MPPS, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's N-E-Spark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, pro controls, network security, a wireless mesh extender if that is needed, and much more. So, again, call the office for the best internet in Lafayette County. That's 662-238-3159. Brought to you by Pinnacle. Uh Check out Pinnacle's 401k advisory services team. They'll conduct a complimentary, no obligation benchmarking and analysis of your current 401k plan. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. Also brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Get in touch with John. Just give him some parameters and a budget. He's going to give you options, 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. Brought to you by OPA. Uh, on the square, euros, wraps, kebabs, redfish, lamb chops, handcrafted cocktails, so much more. 306 South Lamar in Oxford. I've got a mailbag up, as uh, Chase mentioned. It's brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo, condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. We'll have picks up tomorrow. Jeffrey just sent me his. Those are brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency, connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, uh, they can help you in a number of fields regardless of your experience level. And if you're looking to hire quality, hard-to-find talent, they can help you too. It's always free for the candidate. Uh, payment for a company is solely contingent on if you decide to hire a candidate that they send. You've got nothing to lose. So call uh, Will, Sydney, or Kelsey at 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website, servicespecialistltd.com. Don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward, chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves one smile at a time. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative, state-of-the-art procedures, including Invisalign. It's uh, Corinth Dental. 
Com. Pinpoint Commercial Real Estate, based out of Jackson, they service the entire state and all commercial asset classes, such as industrial, retail, office, medical, and land. Our friend B.B. Mitchell with Pinpoint provides a plethora of commercial real estate services. His core focus is sourcing investment properties for his clients. He takes pride in his attention to detail, professionalism, and hard work. For all your commercial real estate needs, give B.B. a call, 601 934 5008. And we're brought to you by Southern Traditions Farm. It's a 68 acre, 32 stall upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two uh, sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails. So much offered there. It's also a great venue for events, for parties, that kind of thing. So get in touch with them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. I think Juice might need another press agent. I saw this morning on the uh, in the Athletic it had Meet Hudson, the puppy that should already be the new face of college football. Oh, a different, uh, a different oh. canine. Where is Hudson? He is at Old Dominion. Oh, um, yes, he has a. They're uh, the monarchs, right? What they, is, are, they are the monarchs. Is monarch so they're kind of embracing just getting a dog? So. I mean, I'm not reading the big, long feature story, but there's a story on the Athletic that says Meet Hudson, the newest puppy and unofficial mascot of college football. What kind of pup um, is he? He appears to be some semblance of a lab or something as well. He yeah, is a he is a golden. He he appears to also be some semblance of a yellow lab. I'll send you a photo here. He um, he is one of the dogs though. They're using these on. It's called mutts with a mission. They're being trained to be service dogs, but they spend a certain amount of time with some family around the Old Dominion program. Is the is the reason that that's the case? But yeah, not. When it's the same kind of dog, and Juice, Juice is getting up, up upstage there, that's not. Everybody loves a Labrador. Well, that's. Everybody loves a Labrador. They are hard to not like, aren't I mean, they? you know, I was laying on the couch last night. It's about 9 o'clock. Rizzo kind of comes padding in there, lays down next to me. I reach down and pet his head. His head feels so good. I sent it to you. Everybody loves that. Just let the dog be. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, he's a lab. Is that a lab? That's a yellow lab. That's what I thought, right? Just, just. Look, as a rule, if someone sees a Labrador Retriever puppy and says, I don't like that, you probably aren't going to want to hang with them. Like, they're kind of scary. Would you be scared of someone who goes, I don't like Labradors? I don't like Labrador puppies. Well, those people don't really don't exist. I mean, that's my point. Everybody, yeah. I mean, that's my point. I mean, this dog's pretty damn cute, but they also put a like they they dress him up with tons of stuff. Like they put ski goggles on him. They've got shoes on him. They're. I mean, who doesn't like a dressed up Labrador Retriever? Labrador Retriever dressed up for Halloween. Everybody's like, oh, how cute! You're not worried about him biting anybody. Well, they're not going to bite you. They, unless you get between their biddles, like it's it's. Yeah, I mean, they'll hardly growl at you if you try to take their food away. They'll just get up and move. Like when we give Gus and Rizzo the big bone, you know, every uh-huh. once in a while, they go to their separate corners. And it you give them one bone total? No, no, no. You they get, each? Yeah, okay. Otherwise, it's just. What do they do? Well, they'll steal it from one another. So, so Gus will try to get it. He won't let Rizzo take be. Oh dominant. no 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 no! He'll he'll take his bone. Okay. So we they'll go to their separate places, but like if you walk around, like especially Gus, Rizzo's like he. I think Rizzo's figured out you're not going to take his bone. If you walk around Gus, he'll get up and kind of move. 
to another place. He, he, he wants to have his privacy with his bone. Leave me alone. Let me. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying my bone. Kind of like he's like, hey, bald man, it's the way you enjoy your beer. I mean, leave me alone. But they're not going to growl at you. And if a little kid were to walk up and try to take the bone, they're not going to bite the kid. They're just going to pick up their bone and get away from the kid. Everybody likes labs. It's the safest mascot of all time. Just simple. A lab or a golden retriever? And yeah, you're... it's basically the same dog. Yes, <laughs> whatever. Just you need different robots to <laughs> vacuum up their hair. That's it. It's the same dog. Does one, does one shed less than the other? No, they both shed like crazy. Do they really? Yeah, just different. One has the softer, longer hairs, and the other has those little fine hairs that are everywhere. So you'd rather have the the longer hair? I don't know. It's whatever. Well, you're a little OCD about that, so I, I just sweep a lot. Yeah, everybody has dog mascots in the SEC. It's becoming half the damn league. If somebody has some connection to a dog. Well, most people like dogs. It's simple. If I'm Ole Miss, I steer all the way into the Labrador Retriever at this point. Again, at some point, what if I... Then you get another lab. He takes his dog with him, then I you assume. you get a new lab. And you don't have to call him Juice. No, 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 no. Well, in fact, you really can't call him Juice officially because there's another Juice. Juice will be on the sidelines at... Well, school X or NFL team X. And not only that, but I mean, there's a pretty famous football player whose nickname was Juice. I think that's a, potentially an issue. I just would stay away from it. I'd go with something like what they call him, the one at Old Dominion? Hudson. Uh, that's simple. <laughs> <laughs> just don't overthink it. Okay. And when the Big Ten invites you at Georgia Tech, you say yes. Well, these are things. When the really well-paying job, like this is this is the life lesson, right? Yeah, I, I know where you're going. Like I, I talked to my daughters, like Campbell, for example, my oldest, who's on Butcher versus Spin Instructor. In her mind, and this is not me criticizing her because she's not even 22 yet, and when you're not 22, you just haven't figured these things out. In her mind, she only wants to live in a couple of places, okay? Yeah, sure. And I'm trying to tell her, you can't think like that right now. You can say, hey, I want to live in City X or City Y at some point. Sure, that's cool. That's a goal. But if the path to there goes through a different place, and they're the ones that offer you the opportunity to establish your career, you take it. Like one of her really good friends, who also wants to live in one of those places, has already taken a job where she'll start in Minneapolis. Oh, really? Yeah. Because sometimes to get to Dallas, yeah. you've got to go. The road to, is a little circuitous. You've got to go to Minneapolis. Sure. That's a mistake. And so I'm trying to, when you're offered the opportunity, you take it. Yeah. And then you figure it out. Credit to uh, Broncos coach Daniel Hackett, young guy who admitted a mistake yesterday. Should have gone for it on fourth down against the uh, Seahawks instead of trying to kick the 64-yard field goal. Yeah, He was asked a question in the press conference and said he absolutely should have gone for it, that it was an error. So, Yes. It's a coaching lesson. It's admit when you're wrong. It will endear him to the fan base more than being a jerk on the, on the, on the, on the lectern would have been. Yeah, Zach Taylor admitted that he should have challenged a play at the one-yard line with Jamar Chase, where it appears that Chase had a touchdown. And they didn't challenge it. For a young team that made the Super Bowl last year, Taylor is not overly well-liked in that Bengals fan base. Yeah, they're not crazy about him. 
I mean, I'm, I'm just seeing examples kind of, yeah. but it's it, it, it feels like that's not what maybe it should be considering their level of success last season. He didn't um, he didn't have a great first game. Had a couple. I, I didn't like the way they finished that game, like kicking on third down when your long snapper's out. I just would have kept going. They were like at the 13, the 12-yard line. I would have just tried to score in the overtime there. Got a uh, got a potentially some from a gambling standpoint something that has not happened in a long time is the Detroit Lions had been had played twenty four consecutive games as an underdog the longest active streak in the NFL they are a two and a half point favorite against Washington on Sunday the Lions a favorite for the first time in twenty four I take it that game's in, games in Detroit um well I mean I don't know I mean if what yeah I don't know Not I sure. don't know yeah. I hadn't looked at NFL I need to look at NFL because I got a I got to do the line streak is the team's longest in the Super Bowl era, which means if it's their longest, it's probably close to the longest period. Um, Detroit was last favored on November 22nd, 2020, when it was a one point favorite on the road against PJ Walker and the Carolina Panthers. They lost 20 to nothing. Detroit's getting some post um, hard knocks juice. Lost 38 35 to Philly in the opener. Everybody, okay. Everybody's kind of cheering for them because they were really endearing on hard knocks. Yeah. They were likable. Super likable. But that doesn't help you on the field. Now they play. I do think it's the better hard knock strategy, though, because sometimes they pick the team that's not likable at all. And yeah. you kind of and I don't think that works as well. The Lions are really likable. Like they're they're a lot of a lot of good stories on that team. I'm I caught myself cheering for them the other day based on that and the fact that they have super uniforms. That's true. Giants, by the way, um, had the second longest active streak as an underdog at 15, but they are also a favorite this weekend. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites against Carolina this weekend. Could start 2-0. and Yeah. Yeah. Interesting team. Lions have also beaten Washington five out of the last six times. Oh, how about that? Yeah. We get a great game tomorrow night. We get Chargers Chiefs Chargers, tomorrow night. Chiefs. Chargers a little beat up, a little scary there. Mahomes was damn good Sunday. Whew. He was elite, man. He was. When, some of the stuff he does, some of the stuff Patrick Mahomes does, you just go, wow. I saw you answered this maybe in your mailbag. When is season three of Ted Lasso? Supposedly it's December the 9th or something like that. Oh, really? It's okay. coming fairly soon. Okay. They've I mean, got their work to do. I mean, because things seem so obvious yeah. that are they just going to give us the obvious like season one and let us be happy? Do you want that or do you want – No, yeah. I want the real one. Ted Lasso is not the show given how it has played out. I'm going to try to avoid spoilers for anybody I understand for the most part. Season two has been it's done. It's kind of your fault. Season two has been done for a while. Yeah, it's kind of your fault. Um, I don't feel that responsibility. It the per, it was the perfect show that came at the perfect time during the pandemic. Yes, season one was this feel good, fun, smart, great program. Lovable characters. Season two went a different direction. Still worked for the yes. most part. Yes. Season three because it's how we're finishing and some of the storylines that have set up. No, you want it to be smart. You mm-hmm. want it to be clever. Yep. But I do not want it to end in a negative way where I don't feel good for a couple characters right. and I go. Yeah, sure, you went critical when I didn't need critical. Don't try to overthink this as writers. Just okay. just give Do, me the saccharine. So here's the one that I, I would be asking if I were in their meeting room. Yeah. 
And look, if you haven't watched the show... Just stop. We're stop. literally stopping the podcast. Stop now. As soon as this 90 seconds are over, I am cutting the cord. In it fact, is over. In fact, I'll, I'll go ahead and do the finishing stuff now. Um, we have a special edition with Ryan Brown <laughs> coming this afternoon. It streams at 1 o'clock. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Chase is going to have to take the audio yeah. because dumbass here forgot to uh, start an audition file. Uh, but he's going to Chase is going to put that in podcast form. That's fine. I'm taping with Davis and Igbenosin, supposedly. Um, hopefully, we'll get that to you late today uh i think we're taping a g pits today um i'm taping with ben minch you'll see, hear that tomorrow um taping with pete deweese tonight you'll hear that tomorrow so we've got a lot of content coming to you uh over the next uh couple of days we'll have picks up tomorrow at rebelgrove.com i'll have six questions with kelly quinlan up tomorrow at rebelgrove.com so a lot coming your way um hit the subscribe button hit the like button if you're not subscribed to rebelgrove.com Please do. It's the same price as it was during the uh, Grant administration. So um, it's, it's still there. It's inflation-proof. There's a lot of debate about inflation yesterday. No inflation at rebelgrove.com. The price just stays the same. So um, all of that. So we're going to finish with Ted Lasso. Yes. Go ahead. So stop now. Yes. It's completely your fault. David. Do you need Ted to find love? It started with Ted going through the divorce. If, we've seen Ted be really lonely. We've seen Ted just kind of be lost a little, gone through this. And we got the episode where the wife at least is around. We've had the mental health crisis. We can tell that he's finally kind of getting over her. Do you need him to fall? Do you need him to find love okay, in this show? I got two things that I feel very strongly about that I need from this season. And one of them feels so obvious that if they do it, if they give me the same feeling, but in a very creative way, I will give it an A+. Plus. We need Ted to win the EPL, and we need him to beat Nate deep into the into, into the season. Yeah, Ted's got to win. Ted has to win. I'm gonna be pissed. He cannot lose to Nate in the final game. Or no, I'm crap. pissed off if that happens. He needs to. He needs a top three finish in the in the in the table, and he needs to beat Nate. Do you? He needs that for sure. Do you want Nate to be? Validated in some way to come back around, or is it? Don't, or do you agree with me that Nate, they're going to validate him? And I don't like it. I, I would rather just keep him as an evil character. I want him to steer even more villain. Well, and he will for at least half the season. Yeah, but I have a hunch they're going to validate him at the end because it is a little bit of a moral show. So my gut tells me they end up validating him in a way, but you can't validate him and then let him win because he is validated. Okay, what about Roy and Kaylee? I don't do you know need that I together? care as much. I. Ted cannot do anything with Rebecca intimately. Agreed. That is not... Or Kaylee. No. No, no, Well, Kaylee likes to kind of get around a little bit. Yeah, that one worries me a little more, but I don't care as much. Right. We can't do the trope of Ted and Rebecca. That's not doable. I actually sort of like Roy and the teacher. I'm good with that. Yeah, I got no problem with that. That made me feel good. Like, I like them together. I got no problem with that. Um, And I don't mind Kaylee going back to what's-his-face. Jamie. Jamie. Because those were the two. The two things are Ted has to win, and then yes, Ted and Rebecca cannot be some easy trope at any point. Frankly, even on a one night deal. Nope, nope, nope. nope. Let's just keep that where it's, it's a at. friendship, and it needs to stay that. Don't complicate it. The question: yeah. If I'm in that writers' room, I know he's going to win. I know that he's not going to mess with Rebecca. I have got some stuff along the way I can get done. You got to figure out what to do with Nate. And then my your two options are maybe not a romantic interest, but does he find complete calm in England where that's his future? Mm-hmm. 
or does he go back to America, not to get back with the ex-wife, but just to live an American life around his child? To go back to coaching football. Football, yeah, whatever. Did, right. did this soccer experience make him a better football coach, and now they're going to introduce him as the new coach at Pitt State or wherever uh, and, and call it a day? Is, is that what he uh, does? Because I, I don't know if Ted Lasso, the character, chooses to spend the rest of his life a concord away from his child. That feels not... That's true. That feels not, hey, I'm just going to be here and I'm going to coach this team and I'm going to try to be this EPL 20-year. Like, I don't know that I buy that. But I don't want him back with the X, though, I could see that. I could see that. But see, I don't want something neat like Ted wins, goes back. Life comes over even. or like No, the wife's that's got to be over. Ted wins, goes back, and then uh, uh, what's-his-face comes in and takes over. Nate. Nate, thank you. Oh, that team. I don't want Nate to come back and and coach Richmond after Ted no, leaves. No, no. I, that's too that's too trite. Where did he go? Or who is it emulating, I guess is my question. I can't remember. But it was another EPL team. Is it an actual EPL team though? I f- think so. I mean, is it like a Man City or something? I, didn't they let him like take over Arsenal or something? Oh, was it Arsenal? I can't remember. It was something like that. Okay. I mean, I knew it was another EPL team, but I wasn't sure. No, not Ted and the Therapist. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. no. That doesn't work. West Ham. West Ham. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's what I would do. Um, I, I, I need them to be very clever throughout the season, but there's three or four rules that I kind of have on this that you can you can lose your audience that's been with you. Yeah, quickly. well, it's, it's, it's kind of like the way you finished The Office, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody in that meeting, when they said, hey, look, we could make this complicated, but let's give the people what the people want. Yeah, let's not go try to win an Emmy with writing right now. We've we've done this show, and these people f- have fallen in love with all of these characters. They care about them. Let's give them peace. Because that was the great part about The Office, was that The Office ended with you felt so good about everyone you were able to kind of like leave it. Like literally I felt like a little wave of emotion kick up. As I said that yeah. you felt good about Dwight and Angela. Cause it was just supposed to be them. Sure. You needed to make like when they did that deal with Jim and Pam, where it felt like they might break up after they married, you're like, no, 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 this can't happen. Like it was uncomfortable. Yeah. They were great about that. But so I think that's a challenge here because I think this show, the writer's, are so smart that they're gonna. It's gonna be a risk that there's gonna be a risk inherent that they overthink it and overwrite it. And you can do that. I almost feel like some other storylines how they get there. You can be, but and I don't know if Ted has to win the EPL. Now, the more I think about it, you think he does? I don't. I don't necessarily think he has to win the whole league. Just has to be good. Yeah, and he has to beat Nate when they play. Maybe it keeps Nate from winning. Maybe so. Maybe they finish fifth, but he beats Nate to keep him from winning the thing. Something like that. So, all right. Uh, more tomorrow. Um, maybe some Ted Lasso. Who knows? But it was on my mind. We will have Jeffrey tomorrow morning, as Neil said, amongst the, among the other things. Um, I almost said amongst. I try to only say among. Among the other uh, under the other things. Stuff at rebelgrove.com. Take care. Have a good day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.